as Andrew said, my name is um, Jerome, and I realised I didn't get a lapel. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, oh, thanks. So busy coming in, saying hello to everyone, and forgot my lapel. But uh, yes, my name's Jerome, I'm the Associate Minister here. Um, I'm married, three kids, and I don't like shopping centres. Just, especially the big ones, the really big ones, they're particularly frustrating. Um, I am a little bit geographically challenged. Um, I'm one of those people that walk into a shop and then walk out and go, did I come that way or did I come from that way? I don't know if you're one of those, but I'm one of those. and so. Shopping centres, not my thing. Um, and, and I feel as though, you know, I, I know where I am. Um, sometimes I don't know where the other shop is that I'm trying to get to. Uh, but if you had two reference points, that's a good start, right? You, you know where you are, you know where the shop you're trying to get to is. But even in a shopping centre, it's not just a straight line. It's turns and twists. And have you ever gone to one of those touch screens? And it's, you know, it's go this way, left, right, go up the escalator, turn left and right, and that doesn't work for someone like me. Um, when Jesus comes to speak, and the passage that we get, as um, Ken before me and Andrew before me have started sharing, this is the Sermon on the Plain in Luke's passage. And he's come to show us the way of the kingdom. He's come to show us the way of the kingdom. And I don't care if people are Christians or non-Christians, but in some shape, way and form, we are all trying to make our way in this life. And he's come to show us the way of the kingdom of God. And in all sorts of ways, we face challenges. We face decisions and choices to be made. I still remember what it was like to be young, thinking about what vocation, or what subjects do I pick? What am I going to do after school? And you think that's the worst of it, and then you keep growing, and there's lots of other decisions to make. <coughs> Financial decisions, relational decisions, where will I live decisions. It can sometimes feel a bit complex and difficult. Sometimes health decisions. Jesus comes to show us the way of the kingdom. It is challenging. The way of the kingdom is challenging. We've heard Ken and Andrew talk about it. Almost the impossibility of some of the things that Jesus says. Now that sounded a bit outrageous when I heard Ken and Andrew say that. The impossibility. Jesus said it. I'm sure he expects us to do it. Love your enemies. That was last week. Love your enemies. This was, this was almost a central message in Jesus' sermon on the plane. Love your enemies. Now we might say, oh, I've got examples of, yeah, I've done that, and I've heard stories of some really terrible things that have happened. People have done that. But if you're, if you're still not sure whether... This passage is supposed to be taken as something we're just supposed to do. This is just our task list. Once we tick all these things off, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. In Matthew's sermon, in that same passage, love your enemies, straight after it says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Oh, yeah, just let's just throw that one in. 
So, so if you're still not sure of the impossibility of what's being asked, that's actually the point. The, the point of it is it's not possible what Jesus is asking. People will sometimes go to 1 Corinthians 13, right, for the great love passage. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love is not boastful. And that's a great passage, beautiful. It's a beautiful passage. But, but the passage last week, that's the benchmark. Because it's take that kind of love and now apply it to the most undeserving person. person who hasn't earned it, who's not worthy of it, the person that's hurting you, the person that's teasing you, the person that's putting you down, the person that's laughing at you, the person that's criticising you and judging you. Take the most perfect kind of love and apply it to that person. That is the love-mercy ethic. I call it the love-mercy ethic. Love-mercy. It's, it's this idea of love and mercy coming together. Love, we might have some concept or idea of what that could be. We can use a lot of descriptions, patient, kind, good, all sorts of things, and then apply it to the most undeserving. It's love-mercy. Sorry, just realised my slides weren't working. So love, mercy, ethic. Are they up? No. Yeah, sorry, Ethan, I might need your help. Thank you. It's okay, yep. Um, and so in this love, mercy, ethic, you see it um, written in um, uh, 1 John 4. 1 John 4 says it like this. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Can you hear this description of love? This is love. Not that we loved God. Our love isn't the standard. No, God's love is the standard. But that he loved us. And how did he show this love? By sending his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Or in Romans 8, uh, 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. It's this love-mercy ethic. And so by the time you get to the passage today, we've heard at least two, two things. It started off with blessed are. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are those who weep now. Blessed are those who will suffer for my namesake. And what we hear right at the outset are these are the people that are going to be associated with the kingdom. Those that associate themselves with Jesus, those are the ones that are going to be part of the kingdom. And they're the people that are most likely to be poor and hungry and weeping and struggling. Those are the ones that will recognise their need of a saviour. And then we come to the love your enemies this foundational, almost central ethic of the kingdom. The rest of the passage that follows and the rest of the sermon is not to be placed next to it as lots of other to-dos. This is the central thing, this love-mercy ethic. The New Testament might even use another word that kind of sounds like that love-mercy, grace. Grace. It's this favour, it's this love to the most undeserving. 
And Jesus is the ultimate expression of that. Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's love mercy towards us. But the rest of the passage is about helping us become expressions of that kingdom too. And so our passage started with, do not judge, do not condemn. Give and it will be given to you. The measure you use, that will be the measure that will be measured to you. As Jesus starts to speak these words, where do our eyes turn? So we're asked to love our enemies, the highest standard of love. Then he says, but don't judge, don't condemn. He says, can the blind lead the blind? All of a sudden, my eyes start to look, oh, am, am I the one judging? Am I condemning? Am I blind? Am I the one worried about the speck in my brother's eye when I've got a plank in my own eye? All of a sudden, my eyes start looking toward myself to see what's in my own heart. Remember, if this isn't just a to-do list so that we can be citizens of the kingdom, but if this is Jesus trying to show us something, here's, the, here's, here's what it is. This is the standard. All of a sudden you go, I can't do that. What do you do when you, when you can't be right? Well, it's find somebody that's worse than you and then you're all right, aren't you? Just judge somebody else. Criticise. Think about it. Is, is your life full of criticism and judgment? Because that's one way to make ourselves right. There's another way. And so if we continue to listen to Jesus, we, we first, we see the standard, then we start to look within and we hear things like, no good tree bears bad fruit. Am I a good tree or am I a bad tree? A good person brings good things out of the good stored up in their heart. A good person brings good things out of the good stored up in their heart. So I'm not supposed to worry about others, but I'm supposed to look at my own heart. When I look inside of my own heart, I see shadows. I see shadows of things that are not meant to be. I see that I indeed don't measure up. I see that I'm in need. I see that I'm in want. Remember, it's those that are poor, those that are broken, those that are deficient, that will recognise their need of a saviour. Right at the start, Luke also had some woes. Woe to the rich, woe to the well-fed. This is an idea of those that are self-sufficient, self-reliant, self-dependent. There is no need of a saviour there. But if you look within your own heart and you see that something is amiss and there is a lack, then you're in a better position. A better position for what? What is Jesus doing in all of this? This is chapter 6 of Luke. In Matthew's um, Gospel, chapters 5 to 7. Luke's Gospel has 24 chapters. This is chapter 6. Matthew's Gospel has 28 chapters. Chapters 5 to 7. This is early on. 
both occurrences of the sermon, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel and the Sermon on the Plain in Luke's Gospel, occurs at the beginning. It's just after Jesus has named the twelve. Those that are following and those that are starting to follow and thinking about following are coming to him. And he tells them who is going to be a part of this kingdom. He tells them what the standard of this kingdom is, which should, which should help us to see that none of us can reach this standard. And then he reminds them, don't judge, don't look at others, what's going on in your heart? In our next slide, um, you'll see, we look within and we see what is stored in our heart. Because out of our own hearts, that's what will come. And when we look within and we see the want and we see the need, we're then directed, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. What is Jesus doing? He's teaching. In his sermons, he's teaching. There are those coming, there are those thinking about, is this someone to follow? And if you look into your own heart and you see there's something deficient and there seems to be no other answer, it's in that moment that Jesus says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. And so in our next slide, we we come to Jesus and we trust his words. By this time, hopefully, we're ready to come to him. There's a need to come to him. As I was in um, the shopping centre this week, Uh, lost. Um, I was walking past a shop uh, which will remain unnamed, a clothing shop, and on its windows was this motto, led by none. That's the motto, led by none. That would resonate with so many people. We like that idea. I'm led by none. I'm not just a follower. I'm led by none. Master of my own domain. Master of my own life. I'm led by none. Jesus has crowds at the moment. They're following or they think they're going to follow him. Following him will not be easy. But there is great promise and great joy in that most difficult path. Led by none. Henry, uh, Henry Nouwen, um, uh, Dutch priest, uh, theologian, writer of the late 20th century. He wrote a book called In the Name of Jesus. In it, he talks about um, his journey in his later years. So famous guy, well-known, um, well-sought-after speaker, academic. In his later years, he felt called to minister among a community of people with disabilities and their assistants, to actually be among that community. And what he found was none of his credentials mattered. They didn't care. They didn't know who he was. Normally what we do is we move up 
into greater spheres of control and influence. We move up. Once I've you know, exercised my authority and gifts and gained experience and then move into the next place where I can exercise it some more and people might appreciate it and maybe my, my name is known by then. He moves into a place where none of that matters and he's utterly dependent all over again. And he said the one thing that helped him to make that move, which is different sometimes to the way the world might normally move, move into easier spaces. Oh, I've done this, I can do this. I can do this well. People will like me for this. He moved into a place which was just nothing he'd done before mattered. He said the things that... uh, The thing that helped him make that move was Jesus' words to Peter. After Jesus' resurrection, um, Jesus questions Peter, do you love me more than these? And he says, yes. He says, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep. And then he says this to him. He says, when you were younger, you tied your own belt around your waist and you went wherever you want. When you're older, someone else will put your belt on and take you places you do not want to go. He said those words helped him follow his call. He put it like this um, in the next slide. The world says when you were young, you were dependent and could not go where you wanted. But when you grow old, you will be able to make your own decisions, go your own way and control your own destiny. But Jesus has a different vision of maturity. It is the ability and willingness to be led where you would rather not go. So at the outset of Jesus' ministry, this sermon is placed there and this message is there. There is a way to follow this kingdom and sometimes it might feel, life might feel complex, decisions and choices might feel complex, but Jesus makes it very simple. Simple but challenging. Challenging but simple. I'm sorry, there's a lot of paradoxes in scripture. There's a lot of paradoxes in the way of faith and in the way of the kingdom. But sometimes, like being in a shopping centre, I get so confused and lost. And I remember there's just two basic reference points. One, look into my heart. What is stored up in my heart at the moment? What are the shadows that are there? Two, look up and come to Jesus. Listen to his words and put them into practice. Two basic reference points. And in those two basic reference points, I'm absolutely certain I'll take misturns and go wrong ways, but I just have to keep coming back. Hang on, where am I? Oh, okay, this is where I am. Where's Jesus? Oh, there he is. And that part is actually simpler than I think. In all the complexities of life, we have to make difficult financial decisions, difficult relational decisions, all sorts of difficulties that I get so confused. How do I get this right? How do I get this right? Hang on, where's my heart right now? And when I look in, God will show me just what I need to see. And then I look up, and where's Jesus? Well, that's where I need to go. The world is desperate to see the love mercy of God, to see the grace of God. And when there is a people who will follow Jesus, look into their own hearts honestly, stop worrying about everybody else, look into their own hearts, 
and then look to Jesus, there will be more and more of that love, mercy being expressed. We will become expressions of the kingdom. In our last slide, in Luke chapter 6, verse 47, it reads, As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. Of course, he goes on to talk about a house that when the flood comes, it remains standing. But he's giving you a picture of... It's showing you an expression of what the kingdom looks like. It's unshakable. It endures. It'll go on. And we're called to be expressions of this kingdom to a world where things are falling down and falling apart and people are in despair, not knowing where to go and what to do. So I invite you, look within. Allow God to show you the shadows of your heart and then look up, look to Jesus. Follow him. Put his words into practice. And then you too will reflect that love and mercy of God. Because that's what his words are to us always. His words are simply an expression of the love and mercy of God. They're always the story of a good, good father. The mother heart of God loving his children. So he's always tender with our hearts when we look in and always gentle in his words, even when they're challenging. But we can know that they're always love. So receive that love and be an expression of the kingdom. Amen.